0: You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello. Thank you for joining us for the Friday, August 18th, 2023 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, which tests to take in an effort to stay healthy longer from Consumer Reports. And, just 4,000 steps a day may reduce the risk of dying of any cause, from the Washington Post. Plus, Ozempic settles the obesity debate, it's biology over willpower, from the Wall Street Journal. And more, time permitting. Here's our first report. Which tests to take in an effort to stay healthy longer, from Consumer Reports. Blood pressure and cholesterol checks are standard at many checkups, and once you reach a certain age, you can expect to have new tests including certain cancer screenings. But some supplementary tests may be available by request or at your doctor's discretion. Do you need them? Here's what to know about four. Apolipoprotein B test Some research suggests that blood tests for this substance may be a better measure of cardiovascular disease risk than standard tests. But there's no medical consensus on that yet. Who should consider it? People who are at intermediate risk for cardiovascular illness, those with a 7.5 to 20% chance of having a heart attack or stroke over the next 10 years. They might ask about having this in addition to cholesterol tests, says Scott Hummel, MD, a cardiologist at the University of Michigan's Frankel Cardiovascular Center. This test is unlikely to be covered by your health insurance, but it should cost less than $100 out of pocket. Coronary calcium screening. This imaging test measures calcified plaque in arteries. Too much plaque can restrict blood flow to the heart and cause a stroke or a heart attack. Who should consider it? People between ages 40 and 70 at increased risk for heart disease with at least one risk factor, such as obesity, past tobacco use, a history of high cholesterol, high blood pressure, or diabetes, or a family history of heart disease. Some people who are younger than 40 but have high cholesterol in their family may want this screening. These tests are becoming more common all the time, but they are not covered by all insurers. scan. These scans use an x-ray technique to check the density of your bones. They can also assess lean muscle mass, body fat levels, and visceral fat, fat around the organs which can increase disease risks. Who should consider it? Starting at age 65, women should have a DEXA scan to check their bone health. Men should have this at age 70. It's sometimes given to younger people at high risk for osteoporosis or if doctors want a baseline measurement. These scans are covered by Medicare every two years for people who qualify, but if you have a DEXA scan because you're curious about your body composition, it's likely to cost $150 to $300. VO2 max test. Typically done on a treadmill or stationary bike, the VO2 max test measures your body's maximum ability to deliver oxygen to muscles. Tracking this over time can demonstrate just how much cardiovascular fitness you are gaining or losing. Who should consider it? People who want to closely monitor their cardiovascular fitness and don't mind paying out of pocket. It's in the ballpark of $100. But keeping an eye on whether you're able to do the same aerobic activities you used to do, going upstairs without getting winded, for example, can also provide a reasonably good sense of your cardiovascular strength, Hummel says. Up next, just 4,000 steps a day may reduce risk of dying of any cause, study says, by Victoria Bissett from The Washington Post. Achieving 10,000 steps per day is a common fitness goal, but there's a lack of scientific evidence that it's the ideal number for everyone. Now, a new study has found that significant health benefits may begin with as few as 4,000 steps per day. A team of scientists led by Masij Banak, a professor of preventive cardiology at the Medical Academy of Lodz in Poland, analyzed 17 studies that followed more than 200,000 people for an average of just over seven years. The analysis showed that benefits began at around 2,300 steps per day, which was associated with a significantly reduced risk of dying of cardiovascular disease. At around 4,000 steps, the risk of dying of any cause also began to fall significantly. Both figures, which represent medians, are under the 5,000 step limit for what the study notes is normally considered to be a sedentary lifestyle. But there were benefits beyond these numbers. Every extra thousand steps was associated with a 15% reduction in the risk of dying of any cause, while an increase of 500 steps per day was associated with a 7% reduction in the risk of death of cardiovascular disease, the study said. Banach, the study's lead author, said in a phone interview that his findings weren't meant to undermine those with 10,000 steps as a goal, but to offer hope to people who are struggling to reach that number. It is a very important message because I have had many patients that were simply discouraged when he tried to persuade them to aim for between 7,000 and 10,000 steps per day, he said. The findings were published in the peer-reviewed European Journal of Preventive Cardiology. Insufficient physical activity is the fourth leading risk for death across the world, accounting for around 3.2 million deaths per year, according to the World Health Organization which measures exercise requirements by time and intensity, rather than steps. One study last year found that global physical activity levels, already below 10,000 steps per day on average across the world, had dropped after the COVID-19 outbreak and had not returned to pre-pandemic levels by February 2022. The aim to walk 10,000 steps every day wasn't originally born out of scientific data, but came from a Japanese marketing ploy that used a name that loosely translated as 10,000-step meter to sell pedometers, as the Washington Post has previously reported. But U.S. guidelines on physical activities note that people still may choose goals such as walking 10,000 steps as a way to meet their exercise requirements. Bannock stressed that the review's findings aren't meant to encourage people to reduce their daily step count, but to aim as high as possible, with the most notable benefits found between 7,000 and 13,000 steps per day for people under 60, and between 6,000 and 10,000 steps for older adults, according to the results. We noticed that for younger adults, this expected reduction of mortality was higher, even up to 50 percent, he said. The reasons for this probably were the result of a formula used elsewhere in medicine of the earlier the better and the longer on target the better, according to Bonick. Those who follow medical guidance on exercise and diet at a younger age are more likely to be within healthy cholesterol and blood pressure limits, and so we might expect significantly larger health benefits, he said. Thus, we should not only remember to have regular physical activities, but also to start the earliest possible," he said. The study determined that the benefits applied across different countries and genders. Banach says other studies are planned to look into the role of very intensive exercise, such as marathons or Ironman races, as well as the impact of different step counts on specific illnesses, such as cancer or strokes. But the main findings on the benefits of extra steps each day are clear, he says. The more, the better. Up next, Ozempic settles the obesity debate. It's biology over willpower. Weight loss drugs affect the brain in ways that help researchers understand how the body regulates weight. By Betsy McKay from The Wall Street Journal. Ozempic and similar drugs are transforming the world's understanding of obesity. It isn't so much about willpower, it's about biology. The success of the powerful new class of diabetes and weight loss drugs shows how important chemistry is to determining a person's weight. The brain is the body's chief chemist, regulating appetite and making it difficult for many people to shed pounds and keep them off. The brain determines how much fat it wants people to carry, according to years of research bolstered by the new drugs. The amount is like a setting on a dial, or what many researchers call a set point, or defended fat mass. The brain maintains the dial setting, or set point, by regulating how much a person eats. Ozempic, its sister drug, Wagovi, and another, Manjaro, Lower the dial setting, or set point, in effect by acting on the brain to reduce hunger and make a person feel full sooner, some obesity researchers say. The new set point lasts as long as the patient is on the drug, they say. Patients who ate a lot before they started taking one of the drugs feel less hungry and fill up more quickly, sometimes after one slice of pizza when they once ate the whole pie. This is not about willpower or personal choice, said Dr. Florencia Halperin, an endocrinologist and chief medical officer of FORM, a virtual medical weight loss clinic. This is about your brain driving behaviors, she said. The drugs and their insights into biology have arrived at a precarious point in the losing battle against obesity. Although Americans spend billions of dollars a year to shed pounds, growing numbers are overweight. Nearly 42% of U.S. adults have obesity, according to the latest government statistics, up from 31% in 1999. So do one in five children. People with obesity are more likely to develop heart disease, stroke, and diabetes. Treating them is driving more than $170 billion in yearly costs. Wagovi has been shown to reduce cardiovascular risk, and Manjaro is being studied for additional health benefits. The new medicines have put some long-held assumptions about weight and health on the chopping block. What these drugs have proven is that patients are right. It's not their fault, said Dr. Lewis Aron, an obesity treatment specialist and professor of metabolic research at Weill Cornell Medical College. He and many other specialists who study obesity or prescribe the new drugs have advised or conducted studies for the companies making them. John Weissman was about 300 pounds, pre-diabetic, and at risk of heart disease when he sought help losing weight in 2020. The 46-year-old, who works in mortgage banking and real estate in Boston, had tried restricting food but always then felt hungrier. I'm not wired for 2,000 calories a day, he said, I'm probably wired for 4,000 calories. He went back on an earlier-generation weight-loss drug, Saxenda, that he had tried before. He lost about 30 pounds, but then hit a plateau. In September 2021, he conferred with Dr. Halperin, who prescribed Wegovy. His hunger quickly abated, He no longer craved onion rings mac and cheese and other heavy foods that he once chowed down in marathon dinners with friends now preferring greens and proteins he reached his goal weight of 180 pounds a couple of months ago and is staying on the drug which he sometimes has to call around to a few pharmacies to find this is something i am going to have to have treated for the rest of my life he said he is off the two blood pressure medications he was on has switched to a low dose of a cholesterol-lowering drug, and is no longer pre-diabetic. He eats a little more now to maintain rather than lose weight. The obesity epidemic is a product of forces, old and new, that have collided in people like Weissman. Human biology shaped over millennia of struggle to find sustenance, lives that are largely lived sitting down, and the abundance of cheap, processed foods. Potato chips, soda, and other cheap processed foods are a big culprit because they are high in calories, sugar, salt, and fat, and they are hard to put down, studies suggest. People who lived for a month in a research facility at the National Institutes of Health ate more and gained weight on a diet of processed meats and cheeses tater tots, and other processed foods compared with when they were on a diet of vegetables, whole grains, fish, and other unprocessed foods, according to a 2019 study. For some people, high-calorie foods are especially problematic. At least 1,500 genes are linked with weight. Some people are genetically predisposed to gain weight, depending on the combinations of variants in those genes, said Ruth Luce, a professor focused on the genetics of obesity at the Novo Nordisk Foundation Center for Metabolic Research, at the University of Copenhagen, and at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. These genes often act in the brain. Primitive parts of the brain that control breathing, heartbeat, and other essential functions collaborate with hormones and the central nervous system to determine how much fat the body wants to have and keep it at the set point. The system has been shaped by thousands of years of humans foraging to survive. The brain sends hunger signals when a person needs fuel to reach or maintain their set point, and signals a sense of fullness when they reach or exceed it. That is why people who lose weight fighting off an illness are ravenous once they recover, or why people feel sick when they overeat. It's also why people, like some participants in The Biggest Loser TV series, tend to regain weight even after they try to lose it, according to research. The set point isn't set. It changes naturally throughout a person's lifetime. Babies lose body fat. Women gain weight during pregnancy and menopause. It can make small changes with a person gaining or losing a few pounds. In a person with obesity, however, the set-point system has gotten out of whack, said Dr. Lee Kaplan, director of the Obesity and Metabolism Institute in Boston. The body fat dial moves to a new, higher set point. Obesity causes overeating rather than the other way around, Kaplan said. The new drugs are based on a hormone called glucagon-like peptide 1, or GLP-1, secreted primarily in the lining of the gut in response to food and in the brain. Drug hunters were initially interested in GLP-1 because it plays an important role in regulating blood sugar. The first GLP-1 drugs were approved to treat diabetes in 2005. Wigovi is the only GLP-1 drug approved by the Food and Drug Administration as an anti-obesity treatment, while Ozempic, with a lower dose of the same active ingredient, semaglutide, is approved for diabetes. The FDA is expected soon to approve Manjaro for weight loss. Manjaro, already cleared to treat type 2 diabetes, mimics the action of a hormone called GIP in addition to GLP-1. The medications essentially lower the set point by activating GLP-1 receptors in the hypothalamus and brainstem that regulate weight and appetite," said Randy Seely, a professor of surgery and director of the Michigan Nutrition Obesity Research Center at the University of Michigan. The drugs also indirectly reach neurons in parts of the brain involved in reward sensations and impulse control. We are in a constant search to identify the most critical neurons that respond to these drugs, he said. Once a patient reaches a new set point, some of their appetite returns. They are no longer feeling overfed, but the medications keep them at their new level, Seely said. If a patient stops taking the medication, the new set point no longer holds, which is why people regain weight, he said. The set point concept is hard to prove definitively, some researchers say. The makers of the drugs, Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly, say their drugs reduce hunger and increase satiety while a person takes them. Researchers want to figure out what makes the set point go way up for some people, leading to obesity, Kaplan said. For the moment, it's a black box, he said. Up next, how acute inflammation turns chronic, from Harvard HealthBeat. Inflammation may have started as the solution, for example, as a way to rid the body of a dangerous invader, but if it doesn't turn off when it should, it instead can become the problem. The body's immune response may keep inflammation going long after the threat has cleared. Acute inflammation has now transitioned to chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation can develop in any of several ways. One possibility is that the threat remains because the body can't rid itself of the offending substance, be it an infectious organism, an irritant, or a chemical toxin. The immune system is pretty good at eliminating invaders, but sometimes pathogens resist even our best defenses and hide out in tissues, provoking the inflammatory response again and again. Another possible scenario is that the immune system goes into threat mode when no true threat exists. In an autoimmune disorder, the immune system seems to become overly sensitized to the body's own healthy cells and tissue. It reacts against the joints, intestines, or other organs and tissues as if they were dangerous. As the inflammatory response continues, it damages the body instead of healing it. Unhealthful lifestyle choices, too, can cause ongoing inflammation. Smoking, being sedentary, or eating a diet high in processed foods and refined carbohydrates can contribute to chronic inflammation. This ongoing inflammation increases the risk of many diseases, including heart disease, stroke, diabetes, cancer, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Signs and symptoms of chronic inflammation. The signs of chronic inflammation are not as obvious as those of acute inflammation. No sharp twinge of pain as when you cut yourself. No swelling or redness will you see to alert you to a problem. Chronic inflammation can be widespread or more localized to specific areas of the body. Some of the symptoms associated with chronic inflammation include fatigue and lack of energy, depression and anxiety, muscle aches and joint pain, constipation, diarrhea and other gastrointestinal complaints, changes in weight or appetite, headaches, a fuzzy mental state, or brain fog. Up next, On Your Mind, questions for Consumer Reports on Health. In question and answer format. Question. I'm always so stiff when I wake up. What can I do about it? Answer. Stiffness after sleep or sitting may be more common as we get older. With age, the cartilage padding inside joints decreases, and the lubrication within the joints, called synovial fluid, decreases and becomes thicker, says Michael E. Rogers, Ph.D., Director of the Center for Physical Activity and Aging at Wichita State University in Kansas gentle movement like bending and flexing fingers and toes, making circles with your wrists, ankles, and shoulders before you stand up helps reliquify synovial fluid. You can help preserve cartilage by exercising and stretching, Roger says. If stiffness lasts an hour or more after you start moving around, see your doctor to rule out other conditions. Up next, The Benefits of Physical Therapy for Back Pain from Consumer Reports on Health. People who receive physical therapy soon after low back pain hits may be less likely to seek additional care for the discomfort. In a large study, those who began PT within two weeks of new pain were less apt to go to an emergency room, use pain relieving injections, get advanced imaging tests, or see a pain specialist, orthopedist, or chiropractor over the next year. They also had lower health expenses related to their pain than those who didn't receive early PT. And the source is BMC Health Services Research. And also from Consumer Reports on Health, BP Monitor News. People who used a simple home blood pressure monitor lowered their blood pressure by 10 points, on a par with improvements for people who used smartphone-connected Bluetooth-enabled models, according to a study. A basic home monitor can cost about half as much as a Bluetooth model. The researchers say they were surprised by the results. And this was published in JAMA Internal Medicine. And there's this, also from Consumer Reports on Health, staying safe on dog walks. Between 2001 and 2020, more than 400,000 U.S. adults went to the ER for injuries sustained while walking a dog. Most occurred when walkers got tangled or tripped by leashes or when dogs pulled hard. To reduce risks, use a 6- to 8-foot non-retractable leash, avoid situations that could make your pooch bolt, and consider dog obedience training and balance and strength training for you. The source is Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise. I have one more from Consumer Reports on Health. Watch for unexplained weight loss. When patients lost weight unintentionally, primary care doctors noticed it just 21% of the time, says a Case Western Reserve study. Such weight loss can be a sign of eating and mobility problems, depression, frailty, respiratory disease, diabetes, or even cancer. If you lose 10 to 15 pounds in six months or less without trying to, alert your doctor. And the source is the journal Diagnosis. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.